Good afternoon, and thank you for joining with us today online as we celebrate our church's second birthday. Let me just say, happy birthday. What an exciting day, and we're so sorry that we can't be together to be celebrating. If we've not met before, my name is Johnny, and it's my privilege to be continuing our series today, looking at this collection of stories in the Bible called the parables. Now, these are a bunch of stories which Jesus uses time after time to point us to a greater story, a story of His kingdom and of His great love for us. Today, we're in one of the most incredibly scandalous passages in the entire Bible. Famous Anglican Bishop J.C. Ryle said this of today's passage, there is probably no chapter of the Bible that has done greater good to the souls of men. Wow, quite a statement. And as I've been preparing this week, my prayer has been that God, by the power of His Spirit, will do a great work in our hearts today. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a question this afternoon, and that question is, have you ever experienced that feeling when you can't find what you're looking for? Maybe it was your car keys, maybe it was your purse, maybe it was your TV remote, it's so frustrating. You've looked everywhere, all around the house, but you just can't find it. it, it it's lost. Or maybe you've known one of those teenagers just finished school and they're heading off for the gap year experience. They're off to search for the true me, the real me. Maybe if I just take nine months away, if I go and travel the world, if I become one with the world, one with nature, I will finally have the space and the time to find, to, to search so hard within myself to find true life. Or what about those people who just always seem discontent with life? Have you ever met one of them? The sort of people that just can't find any purpose. They can't find any hope. They can't find any identity in life. However hard they look for, and however hard they look within themselves, they just can't find it. Maybe you know people like this. Maybe you live with people like this. Maybe you work with people like this. Maybe you study with people like this. Or maybe today, that is you. You keep searching, looking harder and harder within yourself, but the result is always the same. You're always left with that empty feeling, feeling lost. Well, the reality of the problem for all of us is that we were born into this. We were born lost. The Bible describes it in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 in this way, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. You see, each one of us are born with this heart condition called sin. And the bad news is that it's a terminal disease. However hard we fight, we just can't treat it ourselves. We'll never find the cure. Like a disease, sin is tearing itself through our bodies, destroying us to pieces. And what is the result? 
death. I want to be really clear with you this afternoon. Whoever you are, whether you've been to church every single Sunday of your life, or whether you've never set foot in a church before and you think it is nonsense and you just happen to have stumbled upon our YouTube channel today, you and I, by our very nature, are totally helpless. We're deserving of death. We are lost. And however hard we look, however much searching we do, we can't find the answer. We can't fix this problem ourselves. Whoever you are today, you need to know this. You are in desperate need of being found and rescued. Well, take heart because the good news that we're going to see in today's passage will bring you hope. Today, we're going to be looking at three famous parables. And what we're going to see is that when we're lost and in need of being found and rescued, we don't find ourselves but the good news is that Jesus, or God, comes looking for us. And when He finds us, He rescues us, and He delights over us. So before, before we dive in, I'm going to hand over to Hope, who is going to read Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 32 for us. I go to the University of Glasgow, I'm a student at Glasgow Grace, and I'm going to be reading a passage in Luke for Johnny's Preach um, as part of the series called The Greatest Story, teaching about the parables of Jesus. Um, I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 15 verses 1 to 32 um, from the NIV. Um, so... Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out 
to a citizen of that country who sent him in the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we, have, we had to celebrate and be glad because his, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Hi church fam at Glasgow Grace, it's Hope if um, almost had you twice there. Um, let's just pray. Father God, come in great power, I pray. Do a great work in our hearts today as we look at this passage. Speak to us as we hear your word spoken for your glory. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever noticed before, but there's this recurring theme throughout Jesus' ministry, and it is this. He was like a magnet for people. Wherever he went, people just seemed to gather around him. And at the very end of the previous chapter of Luke, chapter 14, Jesus is preaching to a large crowd, and his final words are this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus was sending this open invite out to anyone, no matter who they were, what their background was, how much money they had, whoever has ears, come and hear. Hey, everyone, come and hear the good news. The kingdom of God has come and you are all invited, all invited. 
step into chapter 15, and what we see in verse 1 is that the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, now we need to understand that culturally, this was so radical. You see, the tax collectors were despised. What they did was they went from house to house to house, and they collected taxes. Now, now these taxes were used to fund the Roman Empire who ruled the world with brutality. It would be a bit like your neighbor collecting money from you so that they can fund evil against you. Not only that, but, but the tax collectors also collected more than they were due. If they were to collect 10 pounds, they would collect 30, and they would just pocket the extra 20. They took more than they should. They, they were robbers for the sake of their own wealth. So that's, that's the tax collectors. What about the sinners? Well, culturally, the sinners were a class of people that were own, in their own right. This group was marked by those who were deformed, those who were diseased, those who had professions that were looked down on. You see, this was a nasty crowd that had gathered. It wasn't some sort of nice, comfortable crowd just gathering around, having a cup of tea, having a bit of cake, and listening to some nice message. No, this was the murderers. This was the prostitutes. This was a nasty crowd. And why were they gathering? Well, they were gathering because they knew that they were lost. They knew that they needed to be found and rescued. So, on one hand, you have the tax collectors and the sinners desperate to hear what Jesus had to say. But then on the other hand, you have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, to be a Pharisee, by the age of 12, you'd have to have had the whole Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You'd have had to have all that memorized by the age of 12. These were the type of people that next time you log on to your Zoom quiz and you get a Bible round, these are the people you want in your team because they're going to help you win. These guys were the extreme. They were the religious heavyweights of the day. But what was their response to Jesus being with the tax collectors and the sinners? We see it in verse 2. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They grumbled. They didn't like the company that Jesus was in. Even more so, they resented the fact that he welcomed them. You see, the word welcome that is used here in verse 2 translates to eagerly awaits. Can you see it? Jesus doesn't just welcome sinners. He is actively looking for them, and he's eagerly awaiting their arrival. Jesus, like a magnet, wherever he goes, people who need found and rescued gather around him. So this afternoon, let me encourage you, don't be like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that pretend they're fine, but instead realize that like the tax collectors and the sinners, you are in desperate need for God to find you and to rescue you. Now, Jesus, with this crowd gathered around him, then goes on to tell three parables. And the main point of each of these parables is to, is to learn something of God and his character. Notice how in each parable we are introduced to a main character. 
So, so verse 4, we see a shepherd who has lost his sheep. Verse 8, we see a woman who has lost one of her coins. And verse 11, we see a father who had two sons. The point here is not necessarily to say that God is the shepherd, or God is the woman, or God is the father. The analogy lies with the action portrayed by these main characters. So, if a shepherd is like this, if a woman is like this, if a father is like this, how much more is God like this? Throughout these parables, we see a number of key themes. And for the rest of our time together this afternoon, we're going to look at these as we jump in and out of the three stories. So, the first theme that we see is that God looks for you. So, you see this clearly in all the parables. Jesus begins with a shepherd who has lost one of his sheep. Now, I'm sure you've all seen this in your neighborhood, but you've probably seen a lost dog sign stapled onto a tree or in a local lamppost. At first, you start to feel a bit sorry, but then as the months go by, as the years go by, you start to realize that the sign is beginning to fade. And it's at this point, I start to wonder, is, is anyone actually looking for this dog? I mean, I've never seen anyone running about the streets looking for the dog. No one's ever knocked on my door saying, have you seen my dog? It's like the dog owner has just put up a sign and expects the dog to wander past it, recognize the picture of himself, and run home. I don't get it. What I really want to see is I want to see the owner relentlessly searching for their dog, day and night, in sunshine and rain, not just sticking up a sign and hoping for the best. You see, the shepherd in this parable doesn't just go and look for the best picture of the sheep and stick it on a sign and say, hope for the best. No, the shepherd leaves the 99 behind and goes on to search looking for the one that is lost. It's incredible love, incredible commitment. What we must not forget is that God is looking for, in fact, He is seeking out those who are lost. Maybe this afternoon, He is looking for you. Listen to these words from John's gospel. Jesus says this about Himself, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. You see, we are the sheep and Jesus is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for you. He loves you. He's looking for you. So, open up your heart to him today. Theme one, God looks for us. Theme two, when he finds us, he rescues us. Verse five, it says, and when he, the shepherd, finds it, the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home. The search was successful. The sheep was lost, but it has now been rescued. Jesus then goes on to tell a third parable, arguably the finest of all parables told. R.T. Kendall, the former minister at Westminster Chapel, describes this parable as the pearl of the parables the gospel within the gospel. So, what's going on here? 
Well, we start off with the main character, our father who has two sons. The younger son has come to his father and demands to receive his inheritance. When he receives it, rather than investing the money or starting a business, he goes off on his own ways to a distant country and squanders all of it. All of it gone through his own fault. Now, not long after leaving, the son runs out of money and reaches the lowest of lows. He goes and gets a job feeding pigs, and he becomes so hungry that he actually becomes jealous of the food that the pigs were eating. It's like those stories you hear when people go off to climb a mountain only wearing a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, and flip-flops. The start of the climb is great. Oh, wow, amazing views. My tan is coming on so nicely in these shorts and this t-shirt. But before they know it, the, the clouds start to come in. They don't have a compass. They don't have a map. They don't have any phone signal. They start to realize that they're totally lost and in need of rescue. This is exactly how the son was feeling. He had, he had moved away from his father his choices had let him down. He was hungry, he was lost, and he realized that he was in need of being rescued. Do you realize this afternoon that if you don't follow Christ, you're in danger? You need rescued. Verse 11, when he, the son, came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. So what does the son do? he realizes that his actions have made him unworthy. So accepting the best result he could get would be to become a slave of his father's. He returns home ready to plead for mercy, hoping that his father would employ him. Verse 20 says, so he, the son, got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. You see, the father sees the son from a long way off. This is the same son who has demanded his inheritance, the same son who has turned his back on his father and gone his own way, the same son who has squandered all he was given. The son was totally unworthy. I know how I'd react, but praise God that the Father isn't like us. The Father ran to him, he embraced him, and he kissed him. A picture of true, undeserving, unconditional love. The Father loves his Son, and no matter what he had done, there was nothing, nothing he could do to get in the way of his Father's love. The son was in need of being found and rescued, and verse 24 says this, the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. The father found the son 
And despite his son's waywardness, he rescued him. Incredible. Incredible. So God looks for us. He finds us. He rescues us. And fourth and finally, God delights over us. Now, a few years ago, my, my sister-in-law, Esther, was at home in Northern Ireland getting ready to go off on holiday with her pals. She started to pack her bags, and as she did this, she realized that her passport had gone missing. Oh my goodness, where is my passport? It was lost, totally gone. Enter mum and her sister, Lynn, who willingly got in the car and drove to Glasgow to check if the passport was in her student flat. Just a mere seven or eight hour journey. They entered the flat, they started searching, and eventually found the passport lying on her bedroom floor. They got the passport, put it in the car, and drove back home. And as they got home, walking up the driveway, out came Esther in eager anticipation, waiting to receive the lost passport. As they handed the passport over, the smile grew and grew and grew. The screams of excitement got louder and louder and louder. The passport had been found. The holiday was on, and Esther was delighting over the passport. This then started a wild celebration. On came the party music, the party food was put in the oven, the party hats were, were on. Mayhem broke out as Esther delighted over her passport. Know this, as much as Esther delighted over the passport, the shepherd rejoices much more over the rescued sheep. The woman rejoices much more over the rescued coin. The father celebrates even more over the rescue of his son. In the parable of the lost son, the father puts the best robe on his son. He puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and has the fattened calf killed for a celebratory feast. There was no cutting corners when it came to this party. There was a pure delight over the return of his son. This is how much God delights when a lost soul is found. If you're a Christian today, you need to know that God delights over you so much more than we can delight over anything. So as we finish up this afternoon, I want to leave you with a few challenges. You see, everyone Everyone is in desperate need of being rescued by God. If you're, if you're watching today and you don't follow Jesus, the reality for you is that you are in danger. You're totally lost. Whether you realize this or not, you are in desperate need to be found and rescued. There's a hole in your heart and you may be trying to fill that with many things, with drugs, with alcohol, with partners, with jobs, with cars, with houses, with whatever it may be. But know this today, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can fill that hole in your heart. The good news for you is that God, like the Father in this parable, is looking for you. And when he finds you, he will rescue you. There is nothing you have done 
There is nothing you have done that can stop the Father from loving you. His arms are open to you today, so open up your hearts and run into His embrace. If you're interested in hearing more about Jesus, then there's a link under the video, and and I would really encourage you to to have a look at that that, um, link. And if you'd like to chat through any of these things, please drop us an email. It's info at glasgowgrace.org. We'd be delighted to discuss how Jesus can change your life. If you're watching today and you do follow Jesus, praise God, because He has found you, He has rescued you, and He delights over you. As we've seen today, Jesus loves being with the lost and with the sinners, and He calls us to do the same. We live in a city that desperately needs rescued, that desperately needs the good news of Jesus And as his people, Jesus invites us to join him in his mission to seek and save the lost. This is one of the reasons why, as a church, we do Grace Communities. These are our midweek small groups meeting across the city. We want to live out life-on-life mission. And as we do this, we want to do it together, mixing our our Christ-following friends with with our lost friends. You see, this isn't some sort of individual sport that we just go off and do and then come back and report. No, no, no. This is a team sport that we do together, and we're all called to participate. That's why we don't have Glasgow Grace running clubs, Glasgow Grace boot clubs, Glasgow Grace football teams. We don't want to create something that becomes so Christian-heavy that our, that our lost friends are intimidated to come. Like Jesus, we want to go to where the lost are and to join with them in doing the things that we love. So let me encourage you, are there people in your grace communities who love doing the same things as you do? Join together with them. Go and be in the local club. Build friendships with the lost in your areas. And as you do this, pray that God, by the power of His Spirit, would raise them to new life in Him. Grace Communities restart two weeks' time. And if you're not in one, I'd so encourage you to sign up. Drop us an email at info at glasgowgrace.org and we'll get you connected. But as we finish, I'm just going to invite Lewis and Cameron up, who are going to lead us in a time of worship and response. And and during this time, we have our Padlet page available, and the the link is in the description underneath the video. And as we respond to God as, as one church, if you have any prophetic words, whether that's pictures or, or Bible verses or songs that you sense God might be putting on your heart today to encourage or to build up the church, post them on the page and we'll try to find a time to share these. But before we do that, let me just pray for us as we, as we finish. Father God, we are so aware without you we are lost. Father, without you we are completely and utterly helpless. Father, I thank you for for all those who who know you 
Father, I thank you that we know that you have looked for us, that you have pursued us, that you have seeked us. It's not by our own doing, but that you have, have come and that you've poured your grace into our hearts. Father, I thank you that you have rescued us. I thank you that you delight over us. Help us realize the truth of that. Help us take the truth that you are the God who seeks and saves the lost. Father, help us to be your hands and feet in this city. And Lord, I pray today for anyone that may be watching that doesn't know you. Father, reveal yourself as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, would you fill the, the hole in their hearts. Lord, I thank you that you are pursuing them, that you are seeking them, that you never change, that you are true, and that you are God. Holy Spirit, fall on them as they, as they sit in their living rooms right now. Lord, would you save many across our city. Lord, would you save many souls, bring people to you. Lord, we want to see churches that are full of people who were lost but are now found, who were dead but are now alive. Lord, open the eyes of the blind, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.